Hi, I'm Hannah Carden and I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her, and I'm so, so grateful to you for being here this morning. When I was a college student, I was one of those students who changed their major like a million different times. <laughs> Some of you may have been that person or known that person or had to deal with that person, and for that I give you thanks. <laughs> Before God told me I was going to be a pastor, I thought I was going to be a geneticist and a scientist. Before that, I thought I was going to be an actress. And so all through college, I was kind of switching my major every couple of weeks. Uh, French was in there, biology was in there, until I sort of finally settled uh, right at the end on religious studies and economics. But right before I decided to major in economics, I was really, really close to majoring in math. I loved my math classes. They were just animating me and I felt like I was stretching my mind and my heart every time I took one. Um, but in the end of the day, I sort of decided I need to know some econ stuff. And I was talking to my mom and I said, I guess that would have been kind of a funny combination anyway, right? Religious studies and math, like probably not a lot of double majors in that. And my mom, who's not religious, said, um, no, that always made perfect sense to me. And I said, really? <laughs> Why? And she said, you want to seek the truth. Yeah, I do. I, I want to seek the truth. Um, and, and not only do I want to seek the truth, have I been blessed to be a part of communities, religious and not, with people who want to seek the truth. I believe it's what Jesus is asking us to do. There's this phrase from this scripture passage that always gets said over and over and over again, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says to us, I am the way and the truth and the life. You will come to the Father through me. I am the way. And so often people say it as if it means once we follow the way of Jesus, we know all of the truth. But I've always heard it to be the opposite, which is that any time we seek after the way of life that Jesus has taught us, the way that he taught us through his ministry and his preaching and his miracles, there we will find Jesus. Any time we pursue abundant life, the kind of life Jesus promised us, full of justice and love, there we will find Jesus. And any time we pursue the truth, what is real, what is happening, what is reality, there we will find Jesus. And so I believe it is a part of our call as Christians to seek the truth and be unafraid of what we will find because Jesus has said, do not fear, do not let your hearts be troubled. There is a lot going on here. <laughs> My creation house has many rooms and I want you to be within it, a seeker of the truth. I've been thinking about this so much because sometimes the truth has felt hard to find <laughs> um, these last few years. It has felt like shaky ground. There are people in our um, common life together, in the news, in politics, and in our personal lives who are committed to upending the idea of truth or that it's something that we can discern together. This might be true of you. I would be curious. Let us know in the comments. Um, I keep finding myself in conversations with people I love and people I admire and people I respect and people I think are full of good qualities where we can't agree on 
basic things like whether climate change is happening or whether racism is real or whether the vaccines that I believe have saved many generations of my family now are trustworthy. And I, and I find myself um, wanting to understand how we've come to a place where we're in such different understandings of what truth is. Not to mention that we have leadership, right? The president of this country this week, it was revealed, was lying about what he knew about the collectively um, one of the hardest things that's ever happened to us this year. And, and I think these are features of um, danger and authoritarianism. When we begin to say we will believe what we want and not as something that we can come to commonly through discernment and love and care, that we can't even discuss it, that we can't even discuss what, what's going on here, why are the skies red? Something dangerous has begun to happen and, and I don't have the answers for any of it because I'm one person among the many billions of us, but I think it has to be a question of faith. I think it has to be something churches commit themselves to because too often we've done the opposite, which is be scared and stay away. And so this sermon series this month, we're talking about God and science. What's the relationship? How do the two inform each other? What are we trying to do here? <laughs> where are the places where we can ha have these pockets of disagreement and figure them out? And I think there are three big reasons why science can be, a, science and medicine in particular, can be a scary and difficult place for people to wander and to investigate their faith. And so I want to talk about all three of them today um, as we are seeking Jesus's truth and try and discern together how we'll move through them. The first one is that science and medicine have been the source of enormous harm and pain. It's incredibly understandable that lots of people have earned mistrust of some of these disciplines, right? Um, whether it's Tuskegee or Nazism or the everyday kind of ableism that people experience with their doctors and their nurses who won't believe you if you're disabled or fat. People have lots of good reasons, <laughs> ways that they have been harmed and in pain because of the acts of um, the discipline called science or of individual doctors and scientists. This to me is one of the most understandable reasons why people have mistrust or want to question. And I just think if we're seekers of truth, questioning is always good. Having a critical eye um, towards the pain and harm that anything has caused is necessary. And, and we do want to be advocates of our own health and of our own experience of the world acting on our own um, sense of what we need. And at the end of the day, what science is, is a practice. A practice, um, something like Paul invites us to in Thessalonians, right? Test all things and hold fast to that which is true. It's a practice of having ideas experimenting with them over and over again with a bunch of different people over time, seeing what happens. And then if things are confirmed by enough people over enough time, we consider them to be durable conclusions about the nature of the universe. And I don't know if we wanna chuck that practice out because of the parts of it that have caused so much harm. Religion, for instance, Christianity especially, 
schools, <laughs> all kinds of things I can think of have also caused enormous harm, have been actors of destruction and racism and misogyny. And most of us have found good and glorious and resurrection things in them that we have reclaimed, right? That we have said, this is where this will feed life and not death. This is where I will take this on. And, and I think we can do the same with science and medicine. I believe in us. And we'll be inviting lots of people to talk to you about that in the next couple of weeks. And so we're going to figure it out together. Here's a second reason why I think people of faith have a hard time figuring out their relationship with science and medicine. Um, is that we've had a dedicated movement for the last hundred years in our faith that has attempted to say believing in science and being curious about it, being curious about what, what um, the nature of the universe might be, is a denial of God. Getting information from anywhere except the scriptures is not okay. That somehow, if you learn more from different sources, including, right, including the scriptures and including God about how the world works, you might find some place where you don't need God anymore. And then you'll have lost everything, right? This, I think, is the kind of scary story in the back of some people's heads. And I, I understand that because I see so many people have it, but for me at least, and I think for, for many, it, it can be exactly the opposite. <laughs> that the more that I learn about the nature of the universe, the more that I learn about how our brains work and how our blood works and how stars work, the closer I feel to God. The more extraordinary the work of Christ seems to me, the more amazing it is to me that creation is. And that through creation, we can learn about the nature of God. Awe and wonder, fear of the Lord is one of the ways in which we come to know him, come to know her. And I think that science inspires that kind of awe where you say, my God and my goodness, there is so much more. There is so much more to my creator and to my nature than I ever knew. And we know that this can be true because there are plenty of acting scientists and doctors who have experienced it, who have experienced their faith and their science practice as intertwined, as, as twins in love and understanding and seeking of the way of Jesus and not as things that are separate. Many of you may know the story of Katherine Johnson, um, who was an incredible scientist who worked for NASA here in the United States and basically um, made the calculations that made spaceflight possible. She was an extraordinary early um, computer scientist and mathematician who was just really good at a bunch of stuff that's really, really hard. Um, some of you may know her because she was played by Taraji Henson in Hidden Figures, which we're going to do a movie night on in a couple of weeks if you haven't seen it. It's awesome. And Katherine Johnson was someone who was so committed <laughs> to math and science, loved it so deeply. She talks about how aggressive she was in every single room she went into to say, I'm gonna do this, I can do this, this is my gifting, right? And I'm gonna apply it, and she did. And she was also a member of her local Presbyterian church for over 50 years and did all of the everyday church stuff that many of us do. She was in leadership and she had faith and never <laughs> has felt any um, disruption, right, between that faith and that practice of mathematics. They can be partners. 
Similarly, this shirt I wear today, uh, in case any of you are unfamiliar, is the Maxwell Equations, which James Clerk Maxwell um, used to describe the relationship between electricity and magnetism, um, describing for the world electromagnetism, which made possible to understand light, right? Light as a particle and a wave. And I think some people wear this shirt as a joke, right? And God said equations, and then there was light. Um, I simply find it to be true <laughs> that God and the Maxwell equations are true at the same time, and that that only enhances our understanding of both. And Maxwell felt the same. <laughs> Maxwell was a sort of um, precocious child genius. And at the age of 14, he both started his graduate study and memorized the entire Bible. There was not a discrepancy there for him. And I think if we've listened to this passage from John, we should find that utterly unsurprising, right? That people can be gifted by further knowledge and understanding in their faith and gifted by faith in their pursuit of understanding and knowledge, because that's what Jesus invites us to. I am the way and the truth and the life, right? You are coming for me. It's funny to me that many people have understood that phrase to be um, sort of a warning or a condemnation to non-Christians, right? Like, better not go through anybody else but Jesus or you're in trouble. Um, and Jesus is certainly talking about his distinctiveness. And many times throughout the scripture, Jesus says, like, it's important to, to follow me. I have something for you. And, and I believe that, right? I invite people to follow Jesus because I think there's something different about it. Um, but in this moment in his life and in the scriptures, that's not what he's doing at all because he's not talking to non-Christians. He's not talking to people who aren't following him. He's talking to Thomas, who's been with him for three years. He's talking to Thomas who of all the disciples um, comes maybe closest to what we would think of in the modern day as a scientist. In the past, often the scientists and the healers were the clergy and the religious, right? It was the same thing to pursue knowledge of nature and, and knowledge of faith. But Thomas is the one who's always really concerned with um, figuring out the truth and figuring out material reality, right? He's, he has the, the critical eye that often leads us to truth. He wants to touch those wounds. And, and in this case, Thomas says, um, but we do not know the path. Oh, Jesus, how will we know where we are going? And he says that because Jesus has just shared with them. Judas has left and Jesus has just shared with them that he is going to die. That he's going to die. And the disciples can't believe it because it's so different from how they imagined his ministry. It feels like a failure and it feels like sadness and it feels like unpredictability and unexpectedness. I often feel in these times as Thomas feels, but Jesus, I don't know the way. What am I going to do? And it's then, it's then at the questioning of scientist Thomas, at the questioning of someone who has been following him for a long time, Thomas isn't experiencing a question of whether or not he loves God, of whether or not he loves Jesus. He thinks he's going to lose him because something is going to change. And Jesus says, there is no change so great that you won't find me after it happens, <laughs> right? That there is no way you can follow where you won't find me at the end of it. Thomas, don't worry. 
just because things are different than you think, just because I die, just because anything, it doesn't mean you won't be able to find me again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For me, Jesus is answering Thomas's fear here that somehow Thomas will reach the end of his own life and then the afterlife and never see Jesus again. And Jesus is saying, no, you will see me. I will be there. And that's how I feel about any new knowledge or any new practice or any new thing in life that scares me is that I hear Jesus saying, do not be afraid. There's nothing you can learn. There's no way you can grow where I am not a part of it, <laughs> where, where you won't find me at the end. If we trust that God is the creator God who is in all things, then we can trust that we can be brave and relentless in our pursuit of truth, that we can be unafraid of change. And whatever we find at the other end, we'll have Jesus as a part of it. Thank God. Thomas, I think, leads us to the third major barrier people have when integrating understanding and practice of science and medicine into their faith. The hardest one, I think, to, to combat, um, the hardest one to, to understand, which is um, that people just don't want to believe some things, right? We get uncomfortable. And so we just decide to believe something else. I think you can see this in people who are reacting right now to uncertainty and death and hardship um, and a reckoning for racial justice by believing in conspiracy theories, that there are cabals across the world um, creating all of this pain. And, and those kinds of understandings, those kinds of beliefs almost always lead to the harming and death of vulnerable people. So I'm scared that people are choosing to believe that. I think we see it a lot in politics, right? Um, that person is a part of my party. And so I'm just not going to take in any information about things that they've done wrong or ways that they've done something wrong. But it's easy to see in other people, <laughs> but it's in all of us. And all of us, if we are to be seekers of truth and relentless and brave seekers of Jesus, need to be aware of it. And if you think it's not a part of you, this, this way that we um, just deny if we don't like something, I would encourage you to think, what's the last time you maybe shared something on social media that you didn't read, didn't check out, and didn't think to yourself, is this true or not? Um, because the headline really vibed with something you already believed. Anybody? Anybody out there? <laughs> um, when is the last time when you were in a heated argument with somebody you love or somebody you didn't know at all. And something occurred to you that you like thought might be true, but you weren't sure if you really remembered it, but it really worked for your argument in the moment. And so you became very attached to that fact and were very unwilling to let it go. We all have this impulse inside of us that says, I just wanna believe what I wanna believe that makes things easier right now. And so I'm not gonna take a second look. But the second look is often where we find Jesus, where we find complexity, where we find challenge, where we find truth and abundant life. And so I want us to take the practice in the next week of a few things. One is um, having our critical eye towards the things that we don't trust 
and seeing where we can balance it with what can we reclaim out of things that are hard. Second, looking for awe and wonder. What is wondrous to you about this world and this creation? What makes you excited to know? Um, and third, how can you hold yourself accountable to the truth, right? In the next week and the weeks to come, can you not share anything or email anything to people unless you've really checked it out, right? What's the source of this? Who wrote it? Can you make sure that if you're in an argument that you're trying to keep your uh, anger down so that you can really engage with that person and try and figure out truth with them together and try and be open to new information and new facts rather than be scared that they might make you different or that they might make you change. It's going to be a practice that all of us learn together. I don't think tomorrow we're gonna to wake up and this problem's gonna be solved. <laughs> but I believe God is inviting us in this time especially. When forces of evil and destruction in the world are, are being um, enhanced by the ability to just let truth go, to say that a part of loving Jesus is a part of loving truth, that we will not be scared by anything we find, and that if we are seekers of the way, if we continue after the way of Jesus, which is a way of justice, a way of love, a way of openness, and a way of truth-seeking, we will always find him on the other side of it, and he will always be with us through that journey. Let's go on it together. Amen.